I'm Jackie. I'm Anna. And today we're going to be talking about yoga. Yes. Woo. Yes. studio no or have you ever taken any classes or anything like online one class one time oh sweet oh and then I watch YouTube videos sometimes yes okay so who is the demographic that most post these videos uh early to early 20s mid 30s I would say Mm -hmm. yeah uh could you like define like maybe they're presenting gender or like what do they look like Mm mm-hmm yeah and, like, a lot of the time, at least for my, what I see is that they're often white, too. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, super whitewashed, very, like, bougie and upper class. They're, they're kind of sold like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, and also this author, Leslie Kern, pointed out, she was like, these yoga studios that are in towns are typically, like, the de- demographic we just described, but why is that? Because yoga's from India. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, how did we get here? <laughs> So this sent me on a journey, a little yoga journey. A yoga journey, but intellectually. Yes, with reading and pictures. Woo. Okay, this starts with going into what is yoga. And so yoga... The stretchy ones. Yes, actually, not so much, actually. It's, it's spiritually based, right? Like it's a spiritual practice? Yes. Yoga is associated with Hinduism, but also Jainism and Buddhism. So why these religions were culminating around, um, I think it was like 1000 BC. Mm -hmm. And yoga was also developing. And so they kind of all borrowed ideas from each other through meditation and stuff. And they all influenced each other. So it's not as like clear cut as you would think in solving like, what is yoga? Yeah, it wasn't one guy going like, hey. Yeah. Hey, you know that new thing you were looking for? I got it. Yoga, check this out. <laughs> yeah, they're not pedaling yoga. Yoga is actually more flexible. Hot than yoga, think. get your hot yoga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this leads me to my pun that uh, yoga is a lot more flexible than you would think. Oh. <laughs> this leads us to this version of yoga called Hatha yoga, which developed from like 1100 CE to the 1900s. And so it originated in South Asia from a secret ascetic group like the Nath Yogins. So it's very like spiritual, very secretive. And then the way you instructed was from directly from guru to individual pupils. So the earlier versions of yoga were through text. So you would be mostly be reading old tantras or manuscripts to find enlightenment. Maybe you didn't have necessarily a teacher. It's like a group of people. Like a group of people all just reading the text together or like individual people reading text individually and practicing uh, together? I would say like, I, w- I was thinking when I was reading it, it was like monks, but un- I'm not sure. That's just how they spread their knowledge. So it could be your teacher giving you these tantras to oh, read. Okay. Yeah. Unsure. The origins of yoga before Hatha yoga are kind of vague. And also I'm, I was really primarily focused on modern yoga so we won't spend too much time in the past but I think it is really important to describe what yoga is and where it came from and where what it is now because it kind of 
it's pretty drastically different. Yeah. So Hatha Yoga's objectives was to manipulate vital fluids to enable absorption and ultimately liberation. And so absorption isn't really like what you would think, like, it's going to help me drink water. It's like energy locking Mm. and stuff. And so they do purifications. They have some postures, which they call asanas. I'll use that word a lot, but I'll try to define it why I'm saying it. Okay. They use locks, and which is like locking in the energy. The directed gauge, which I thought you would appreciate. They practice that. Directed gauge? The directive gaze. Directive gaze. Yeah, it's just like being enlightened and like being in the moment, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, seals. So like... A lot with like chakras and stuff. And yeah, I thought the I thought the the other one was gonna be chakras, but it's the seals that are. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm unsure. Okay. <laughs> but it, yeah, it kind of goes with more of the style of yoga. And then last one is rhythmic breathing, so more meditation. And then mm-hmm. hatha yoga claimed to have supernatural powers of healing, destruction of poisons, which I thought was super cool. Which makes sense why they were secretive. Ah. Um, invisibility and shape shifting. That's cool. Right? And they're yeah. mostly, when they're doing this, they're mostly just sitting down. Mm-hmm. Sit down, put your right hand up, put your left hand in, take your left hand out, and then you have yoga. Yeah, and you maybe <laughs> find alignment through that. It's pretty yeah. cool. But um, they wore little to no clothing, used little equipment, so they might use like a deer or tiger skin to meditate on. Which, Whoa! That's badass, right? That sounds so cool. Okay, why don't we do that? But also, like, Okay, because I have this connotation of, like, yoga's for vegans, but not really, but, like, a little bit, you know? That's actually one of those things. They uh, Hatha yoga, yogans were um, vegetarian. They avoided tea, coffee, and alcohol, like anything that would, like, oh, pull your mind. Oh, man, those are my favorite things, tea, <laughs> coffee, and alcohol. <laughs> More so the coffee. Um, but, yeah, they had few standing poses. So standing poses apparently weren't a big thing in yoga until, like, 1900. I'm a fan of this, okay? Besides the not drinking coffee part, like, <laughs> I'm digging it. Like, let's sit down and get enlightened. Great. I knew you would be. When I was reading this, <laughs> I was like, you love meditation. And Hatha Yoga is still practice. It's just one of those, like, meditative ones more. I have this graph that um, kind of shows, like, yoga, and it's kind of like the meditative branch instead of the postural branch. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. And then, oh, the last one aspect of hatha yoga is it's taught without payment and the gurus were supported by gifts it was like an anti i'm all in let's go i'll give up coffee it's worth it (laughs) (laughs) but it was anti-consumerist philosophy so it was very much like you had a relationship with your guru it was it wasn't just like i paid five dollars for this volunteer free class or whatever that you'll never see this person again it wasn't like that and so um, Hatha yoga was, at that point, the modern yoga, say, like, um, the... Wait, when when was this? So it developed this from 1100 to uh, CE to the 1900s. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, a long time. So we're at the part of the story where colonization comes in. <laughs> Woo, don't we just love that? <laughs> I know, but it's not what you think, okay. actually. It's, it? it's um, not that bad, because I was expecting that white people appropriated yoga from India and brought it to America and made a bunch of money. But this story actually is a little different. Okay, can I guess? Yeah. Can I guess? What happened? Did it come, like, closer to, like, the 60s, 70s? Or was that when it was, like, more... You know what? You're half right, I would say. Okay, because 
the I'm trying to remember the name of the person who brought like Buddhism to America, but it was like like really like what <laughs> you know <laughs> considering that Buddhism and yoga have like aspects of each other that yeah. that I feel like parts of it checks out and the answer isn't it's not just one person so okay there's yeah, yeah that's it, fair. there's tons of people evangelizing yoga in America and other parts of the world so and not evangelizing in a religious way but like they thought it was really cool and helpful and a lot yeah. of times it it was in the pursuit of living a better life absolutely that's what I feel like I feel like that's uh exactly what happens now even for me because like I'm not I I've only stepped foot in a yoga studio one time and you're converted <laughs> and I know so much yoga now <laughs> <laughs> it is cool though like I, I I do a lot of taekwondo and it's helped me a lot with like flexibility and like PT like physical therapy and it works yeah. through a lot of pain so I'm for it I, I'm I, I'm converted I think I thought this stuff was really cool when I was researching it and before. Okay. So, yeah. So we are at the point where the, when British ruled India. Okay. And so Hatha yoga became exercise yoga, which is what we think of modern yoga. Um, They define it as like exercise yoga or like postural yoga, Mm -hmm. the yoga that most people would be familiar with. Yeah. Downward dog, a little cat cow. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, um, It became exercise yoga mostly through colonization and cultural diffusion. So one theory was that the British ruled India had a YMCA and like they adapted Hatha yoga by ex-military gymnasts for the school system. Wait. That was a lot. First of all, you're telling me that the YMCA is from like from it's British? I have no idea. I didn't look into the YMCA. We could do one over the YMCA. Yeah, I was just like, or an episode. I didn't know they had those over there. Me neither. The village people were American. This is in the <laughs> 1800s, too. I was like, what? The YMCA? They called it the Young Men's Christian Association. And I was like, wait a second. I know that, that acronym. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? And so, yeah. Blowing my mind here. Okay. And then so, so it was developed um, for as. Wait, military was involved? Oh, okay. So this is just a theory. Where This is, I probably won't touch on this again the further we get along because there's no, and also I don't really like this theory that the, the white people like found something and then they're like, oh, we must appropriate this to our own advantage. Like it, it wasn't necessarily like that, but some people were speculating that maybe it was adopted by YMCA, uh, these ex-military people at the YMCA for the school system. Oh. And they were combining it with gymnastics. And so that, yeah. So, like, whoever combined it with gymnastics, it, unclear, and it doesn't have to be the British. I can totally see that, though, because, okay, we were at the park the other day, and there was this girl just doing some crazy, crazy stretches, and she looked <laughs> like a gymnast. <laughs> exactly. And then thank you for bringing that up, because my next point is, um, so there was this book by Neil Book. It, it's, um, it's B-U-K-H. I'm unsure if I Book. mispronounce that. Yeah. But he had a book and came out in 1924 on primary gymnastics. And a lot of his stuff, or at least some of them, resembled some of the asanas or postures that oh. we recognize in yoga. So, like, gymnastics is a large part of what evolved it from just meditation to more standing postures and more, like, movement in the, in the flows of those movements that you do. Very cool. I can definitely see the distinction. Right? And so when they said that, I was like, that makes so much more sense. And during, in India, during that time, 
gymnastics was really popular. Oh. And so it didn't have to be just these, like, ex-military dudes. It was, like, a phenomenon that, like, if you were to say, like, you know how people put, like, Cheetos on everything? And that makes sense to our generation. We're like, Cheetos on pizza, brilliant. It doesn't make sense to me. Okay, but, yeah, our generation, sure. Or just, like, anything. When, you know, yeah, any, they, they put like, hot Cheetos on everything. Yeah, when Buster you... And hot Cheetos. Put exactly. Put hot Cheetos on sushi. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, but if okay, you were to whatever. say that when Cheetos first came out, people would be like, that's weird. Yeah. So I would say, like, um, combining gymnastics so yoga with yoga was inevitable, and it would have probably happened with um it probably happened multiple times and repeated times because people that's just a natural combination that people would have thought of you know right that seems to be what it is because that's that was just one theory it probably was a bunch of different people kind of putting these two things together that work really well beautifully together Mm. and so in the 1950s onwards this like physical exercise kind of helped like Adopting Hatha yoga as with gymnastics kind of helped counter the colonial stereotype that British had of the Indians living in in the colony. Because they thought okay, it... So they thought of them better once they started doing their exercises, and they're like, yeah, they're on to something. They're not so bad. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. Racism is sucks, but this, um, I think it Attractive. just eased tensions, because they know yeah. they kind of started not seeing them as much as, like, degeneracy. That's one thing they quote in the book I was reading, um, of Indians compared to the British. They did see some value in their culture, which was probably helped their day-to-day lives, you know, a little bit. I'm not going to say it helped, like, their tensions, because they got invaded by a really pugnacious nation. So, like, yeah, I'm not going to say colonization was great. But Mm. this did help them have some kind of, like, social capital, you know. Teaching them yoga did ease some kind of, like, stereotype that they had about Indians. So. Okay. That's good. And then. Yeah. Go mark one down for yay yoga. Yeah, it kind of... So we're at two zero. <laughs> Yoga is positive. <laughs> yes, breaking down some stereotypes. That was, yeah, that was a win for yoga and the nation as a whole of India because yeah, colonization sucks. So. Okay, also, like, um, Indian food, big plus for India to yeah. me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sure the British also fell in love with their food yeah like, they, they were, were trying to that's how we got america right because they were like india the spices we got to get them and they're like oops <laughs> oh yeah we were like the like when you dial the wrong number and you're like this girl <laughs> gave me a, a the number at a bar and then you end up going out with them and like, this isn't what i wanted <laughs> yeah oh my god i forgot about that yeah they were trying to reach india this whole time and they had anyway but yeah so i don't know very much about indian colonization except that the british are like extremely good at exploiting people yeah this culture like Hatha culture was taken up in the 1880s to the early 20th century by Indian nationalists such as Tiruka who taught exercises and unarmed combat techniques under the guise of yoga so I thought that was really cool okay this reminds me of uh the Brazilian dance oh yeah capoeira capoeira yes it was like it was combat disguised as dance because they would get in trouble for, like, defending themselves. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, yoga was also an anti-colonialist tool, in a way. (gasps) Love that. Right? Uh, Yoga, three for yoga. And so, um, that, now, from this point on, we can kind of go to what modern yoga is. So, the 1800s, it's still in India, and now it's being 
infused with gymnastics a little bit. Okay. You yeah. know? And it's getting so, a little flashier. Yeah. Little it, we're, it's standing on some legs now instead of sitting down. Oh, yeah. Yes. We got, we got legs. Yoga's a, got legs. Okay. Yes. It's getting a little more flexible. It's getting a little more adventurous. Um, and so what is modern yoga? You'd have to ask my sister. She's a certified yoga instructor. Oh, my God, she is. Yeah, she is. Oh, that's so cool. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. I love when people can do that. Yeah, she's a really good teacher, too. She teaches in uh, here in Texas. Oh, sweet. Yeah, publicly, like in the park. This, uh, she gets paid through, like, another thing, and so, like, it's free for people to just come to the park and do yoga. I love that. It's really cool. I'm really proud of her. That's how I used to do yoga a lot. Like, they would have yoga free on Mondays, and they do. we'd just all meet at a park. It was awesome. Yeah. But, um, okay, so when we're at the free park yoga, what do you think of? I'm thinking, like I said earlier, downward dog. Big one. Big one. <laughs> Everybody's got a downward dog. Um, and then, yeah, the flows. Sunrise salutation. Uh, I think mountain pose. And, like, standing. Lots of standing, moving. Um poses yeah that's basically it it's emphasis on asanas or like yoga poses the more physical and gymnastics like type of yoga it's um so this researcher de michelis also defines it as a graft of of the western branch of the indian tree of yoga so there's actually a tons of types of yoga we haven't even talked about which like i think people could spend their whole careers on like researching but um, this is contemporary yoga. It's the postural one. You're doing it for exercise, mental health. It's less religious. Okay, so introduction to the West. So there's two dates that seem to be the most important. And so one is 1849 and the other one was 1896. So when you said it was the 1960s, you were still kind of right and we'll get on touch on that. Okay. But um, the first touch of yoga is um, during these dates. So in 1849, um, you're going to laugh so much of this guy. Um, so guess who wrote about yoga first in the West? You know who this is. Walt Whitman. Oh, you were so close. Oh. Uh, ooh, ah. He has three names. <laughs> <laughs> I can't explain why. My brain just said, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'm like, that's not it at all. <laughs> it's um, Henry David Thoreau wrote ah, about it, okay. which is so weird because I was like, how did he pop up here? But he's a transcendentalist, so they were more spiritual than, mm-hmm. say, the average American, I would say. So um, in a letter to a friend, he wrote, I would fain practice the yoga faithfully to some extent. At rare interval intervals, I am a yogi. So that's honestly how I would describe myself. Sometimes after <laughs> intervals. Yeah. At some, at some times I'm, I do yoga. <laughs> that's great. No, but Dave Michelis um, makes a note of this saying that this was an important shift. So yoga wasn't just something that was observed by an outsider. And like he was actually thinking about remaining a Westerner. So not converting to yoga and, or like Hinduism or considering himself in any way converting to the Indian style of life, but still remaining a West, Westerner and saying he is part of yoga. Like ah. he can participate in it. Before they would just kind of look upon like 
Like you would try it, but you wouldn't consider yourself a yogi because that would be immersion in the, the other culture. Um, actually, most people wouldn't even try it. So like, oh, um, oh this brings me to an early Western observation. So Alexander the Great reached India in the 4th century BCE. Uh-huh. And so the Greek academics he brought, one described yogis as aloof and adopted different postures while standing or sitting or lying naked and motionless. So like they weren't interact they weren't joining the class to like you know sit and stand with them they were kind of just observing them from afar and that was like the westerners for the next several centuries that's literally my nightmare (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) doing yoga and having someone just watch me (laughs) no but they like they're trying to find enlightenment like they i don't think they cared that much but this marks a, a shift from saying you can also do yoga and also still be a westerner in 1896, Swami Vivekananda uh, published Raha Yoga, his book, and it laid the groundwork for modern yoga. And then he had presented it to the World Parliament of Religions in Chicago. That was the main touch point of yoga coming to North America. Was it like it was like a world fair? Kind of. It seems like it was a lot of things. Um, I didn't really look into the event, but. I never would have guessed that, like, the first time it came to America was, like, Chicago. Right? Like, That's so cool. That's cool. <laughs> it's just funny because it's not even near the coast. <laughs> like, he had to, like, get on a boat and then get into the country interior more. Yeah, um, take a train. Very funny to think about. <laughs> yeah. But um, Raja Yoga or Raja Yoga isn't actually uh, about postural yoga at all. Oh. Yeah, because it's still kind of in its... um like before its Hatha yoga phase. Well, what was it all about then? It was actually about like um, meditation. It was the earlier type of yoga. It was a lot about achieving breath. I was reading through it and I was like, there's no pictures in here. (laughs) Because yeah, he he definitely, he actually rejected the physical practices like asanas or the postures Mm -hmm. as difficult and ineffective for spiritual growth. That's really interesting. Right? And so you're like, how did it become, how did the postures come to America? Like, that's kind of the main question, right? Yeah. So um, the yoga asanas were brought to America by a yoga teacher called, oh my God, you probably guess his name. (gasps) Oh, I don't want to because I don't want to get it wrong. Okay. Yogendra. Yogendra. I would not have guessed that. It, his name sounds like yoga, and obviously that wasn't his birth name, but that's the name he adopted to teach. He founded a branch of the Yoga Institute in New York in 1919. That's and cool. So, so, yeah, that tracks with what I thought. It was like, New York's got to have yoga first. If not New York, L.A., because that's where I think of yoga. Like, <laughs> Oh, we're going to get to the Hollywood part of okay. yoga. His institute was Hatha Yoga, so more asanas or the postures. And then he was also seeking scientific evidence for its health benefits. So he was definitely into the less religious and definitely more secular part of yoga. And he wrote books such as Yoga Asanas Simplified in in 1931. He has another one called Yoga Personal Hygiene, if you want to check it out. I'm sure they're really interesting. I I do like the scientific approach approach to that. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. Like, did he find evidence of them being, like, scientifically uh, beneficial for your health? Oh, yeah, like stretching has a lot of health benefits so yeah it, it definitely added to his legitimacy of practicing yoga in america and then so the following sequences of like salute to the sun 
uh, Surya Naskumar, now accepted as yoga containing popular saunas. And then he like uh, also included the downward dog poses. I knew they were important. Yeah, those happened in like more of the 1920s. This is changing my image of the 1920s because my image of the 1920s was kind of limited, you know, like to like, okay, flappers, got them for sure, for sure. <laughs> Great Gatsby, awesome. Okay, what else? Yoga? No. But apparently, yeah. Yeah, and then in 1924, this yoga teacher, his name is, oh, his name's a little long, Kavalayandana, um, he combined uh, asanas with gymnastics too. And so uh, his practice was, uh, helped like evolve yoga even more. Now we're to the figure of modern yoga. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. So I think of the, the 1920s and this is like post the Great War, right? So this is like after World War One, before World War Two. Mm-hmm. It's so like expansive for me to think about like yoga being developed in the U.S. during this time because I just feel like there was such like intense trauma in the nation. Like that's what like we think about in that time period, right? And like we're starting to get prosperous again, but like it's really just interesting that is great timing for like yogendra um he set up his institute in 1919 and so and then this was the time period where yoga was mostly male like participants and so i could imagine that it did help a lot of people yeah um but yeah that's a good observation yeah world war one had just ended and now they're becoming more liberal and more influenced by other cultures a little less scared at least for a little bit and so yeah that was a great observation yeah, because we also have, like, a lot of world fairs happening in the world at this time, too, which, yeah. like, so we're exchanging a lot of ideas, like, with other countries. I mean, it's still, like, there's still some problems with, like, the way that we're viewing other countries, like, primitivism. I think that's a little problematic. We're, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's really interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah. And groundwork. Yeah. yeah, there's still a lot of, like, racism and a lot of other issues happening now because if you remember after world war one there was a lot of nationalism that rises so some things get more intense but yeah this was actually a great time to have yoga have a foothold in the west that brings me up to uh, the father of modern yoga his name is krishna Makchayara. okay yeah so he adapted sequences of exercises into flowing vinyasa style of yoga so he's the most modern style of yoga we've come to so far in our little like history journey yeah. He kind of takes some of what Neil's book it was using um, to use the gymnastic sequences into yoga. And so there's a lot of, like, I would say, like, sports diffusion happening. His students were extremely interesting. He had several famous students. So one was Indra Devi, and she taught yoga to celebrities in Hollywood. Okay, and that's how we get to Hollywood. Exactly, and she feminized yoga. So before her, it, it seems there was mostly male participants. And so she kind of is what I think most of us think about yoga coming to America is like teaching women yoga in Hollywood and like profiting off of it. Obviously, Indra Devi is not her name. I think she's like Lithuanian or something. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, she was interesting. Yeah, she learned yoga in like 1937. And then she set up shop on Sunset Boulevard. (laughs) And then she oh she taught actresses like Greta Garbo and Jennifer Jones and it looks like yeah she was her first book was in 1953 it was called Forever Young Forever Healthy so she was in like the 40s or 50s yeah so we're like 100 years after yoga has come to the west yes but I think this is the strongest foothold because you know how we had 
like Chicago World's Fair and stuff, mm-hmm. you would see these things, but they wouldn't become part of your daily life. No, you'd, you'd be like, whoa, that's crazy. And then you'd move on back to your good old American ways. Yeah, and so now they're setting up classes instead of just like exhibitions. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of where is where yoga gets a lot of momentum. And Indra Devi was pretty interesting because she would sell the idea that yoga would make you younger, like it would it would kind of stop aging and like stop illness. Interesting. Right? So you could see how a lot of like vain people or like celebrities, probably more of like the wider population who could afford it, who are interested in investing into like ways to like keep them youthful would kind of subscribe to her kind of yoga. I got that information from America Sana, which is a great pun. It's also a great article, so I'll link it with the show notes. It, Sweet. Yeah, the historian, um, I think his name is, his last name's Farmer, and he is great at having little cute anecdotes and stuff, so it was a great read. So now that yoga is more feminized, so there's other famous student from the father of yoga was Patavi Joyce, and they started, which eventually became power yoga. Power yoga was kind of a way to get yoga a little more masculine in, United, in the United States. People really didn't think that yoga was uh, just for men too at that point. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So power yoga is like the masculine version of yoga. But obviously you can do both. I'm, I think most people kind of mix the two, you know, having like warrior one and two and then also doing the stretching ones. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that. Like how some poses require more strength and some poses right? like are about lengthening your, your body. Lengthen your body. Yeah, like flexibility and strength. And so, yeah, yoga often combines it, but there was a, a kind of a time where it was just like more about meditation, then it's more about flexibility, and then the strength poses, which I'm assuming came from gymnastics or some kind of other like aerobics or something to add in that strength element. Although some yoga has like those poses, you do need a lot of strength, even though it does look like you're just stretching. Oh my gosh, the yoga that we did last night, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you did it because I kept having to like stand up and then get back into the pose and then you know like I couldn't just hold it the whole time. Oh yeah, no, it just takes practice. Not that bad. That was your first time doing it. I know because I picked the video. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of planks. Basically, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but oh yeah, okay. So his last student on my list is BKS Inyangar. It's spelled I-Y-E-N-G-A-R. Sorry if I mispronounced that. He popularized yoga to the Western world. So his he was probably the person you would name who brought yoga to the West first because he did way more than like anyone else kind of on this list so far. Okay, and it, what year was that? So his book came out in 1966. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, you were right. So like I, his is probably the most long-lasting and prolific yoga practice that's happened I would say you know obviously the research I was doing wasn't going to come out and be like it was him but um, (laughs) yeah he had a huge influence on yoga in America and so his book was called light on yoga with illustrations I looked it up it's really delightful it has tons of illustrations and it's like all the yoga poses that you do in like a beginner class and then some so it was cool that's wonderful right I guess that brings me to my question that I started with. So why is yoga all white? Or is it a story about appropriation? Um, so apparently 
No. So I'm getting this from some of my notes, but modern yoga draws conceptual models, themes, terminology, and imagery from the classical Hindu tradition, but is essentially rooted in the encounter between tradition and modernity of which the British domination in India was the first example okay, of like yeah. contact. So it is a blend. It's like way more flexible than you would think. <laughs> so that's really cool. Yeah, it ends up being a little more complicated than just saying, you know, we stole it or something. Yeah, no, nice. we didn't. It developed with us as we were like growing relationships with uh, the, the East. Yeah, it was definitely a story of like globalism a little bit. Like yeah. um, cultural ideas will interact with each other and blend. And that's just like yoga was no exception. Well, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yes. So... I do have another question. So, like, why are all yoga teachers white cis women? And They're then, not, though. I know one guy who teaches yoga, and he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Except that guy. <laughs> um, but uh, so one, some of my reading came across um, when people, uh, so they had this great example of trying to set up a yoga studio, a postural yoga classes in Dallas, Texas in 1979. They were trying to introduce yoga and like, you know, set up classes. It was secular. It wasn't even religious. And then people like threatened them. Like they got a lot of phone calls. Um, people were like, you're trying to like bring anti-religion to the Bible belt because it is in Texas. Whoa. And yeah. And so they kind of like, got scared out of doing it. People would like kind of like we're afraid of it and they were like this is going to corrupt me and stuff so andrea jane basically sums up a lot of this hesitancy around yoga and maybe the possible racism from it she calls it yoga phobia and it, she defines it as perceiving yoga as anti-christian and anti-western and it prevents yoga studios from like opening up or really seem to infringe on it one example that she wrote was about this yoga instructor in 1979 trying to open a studio in Dallas, Texas. And so when she moved to Texas from Chicago, she was expecting it to be great because in the 1960s, like you said, yoga was popping off, you know? Yeah, everyone was, like, interested in it enough to, like, have studios start opening up, right? Yeah, Yeah, and that's when all these, like, big teachers were coming to America from the father of yoga, his students and stuff. But when she went to the Bible Belt area, people were calling her saying, like, uh, like they weren't serious about joining yoga. She was, they were trying to stop her and it, it was like becoming a problem. She wasn't able to open up her yoga studio. And so the culprit seems to be uh, yoga phobia in the form of racism is why we get so many like white cis women who are in their like, you know, mid twenties presenting some kind of affluent air and like setting up yoga studios in these affluent areas is mm. because of yoga phobia. It, it, at least it seems like from what I was reading and trying to answer this question, the best way to fight yoga phobia is like maybe these people were successful because they seemed familiar or they could put it in a language that like people understood or people are just kind of racist. And so you would learn something from someone who looks like you, which is horrible. And so that seems to be why a lot of yoga is presented as being like presented the way that we're used to seeing it presented. Exactly, and taught by the people that we, ex- uh, quote-unquote, expect to teach, which is really sad. It wasn't completely appropriation, though. So, like, the people who brought it to America and the people who did all the trailblazing were not white, you know? It wasn't stolen, and it, w- it was, like, the people who were forming this 
new kind of exercise and being the pioneers of it. And it was a really great journey that yoga has gone on and developed from all these like immigrants coming to America, which is awesome. Where we end here is like maybe supporting yoga studios that aren't, you know, taught by people that we've come to expect. So yeah, supporting more diversity in exactly. yoga teachers. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's not the only shift that yoga has gone in. So yoga has never been a stable entity. I just think that's funny because I feel like yoga makes me think of like people who do yoga are like stable and centered in themselves and blah, 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 blah. but yoga is not stable. Yeah. The history of yoga and like how the, it developed is not stable at all, which is kind of funny. Pretentious is another word I was looking for. <laughs> I, like, I feel like there's like some pretension that comes with like yoga. Is that a word? Pretension? Oh, I mean, I know pretense, what you're Pretense. Pretense. I like pretension. <laughs> no, because yoga, a lot of the people teaching do seem like they act like they have all the answers, but then yoga never had, you know, and never seemed to pretend to have the answers unless it was the people teaching it because it was like itself evolving quickly and so much. It's only the way we know yoga or the recent tree of it is only 150 years old. Wow. So it's not like it's just built on centuries of knowledge and stuff, but it's um, fairly new. Jared Farmer at least said it was supremely adaptable posture p- practice, and it's a global popular. So now it's just kind of a global thing, and it's been influenced by global things, you know? And then Jared Farmer also uh, said in his work, um, America Sana, yoga has come from the 1890s to the present, and then it's changed from peripheral to central, local to global, male to mostly female, spiritual to secular, sectarian to universal, uh, meditational to postural, intellectual to experimental, and then esoteric to accessible. Wow. And then uh, from oral to hands-on teaching. So it's just like, it's kind of flip-flopped a lot in many ways. So if anything, yoga can flip-flop back. So whatever we want yoga to be in the future and like kind of a quality that we're looking for and like the things that make sense logically, like if we need more diversity in teaching yoga so we can have more diversity in participating in yoga, you know, and it can definitely flip-flop back to whatever we want it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be one thing. It can, it, we can change it and we can, it doesn't have to be a symbol for gentrification or whatever. It, it's a lot more than that and it, it's great. So yoga, that was, um, that was my explanation for yoga and how it came to America. Sweet. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Jackie. Yeah. Well, thank you, listener, for joining us on this amazing journey. And yeah, we'll catch you next time. There's a lot to look forward to. So we hope you keep uh, listening to our podcast. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Thanks. Bye. Have a great one.